position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the next game on, bitches! Hello and welcome to episode number 281 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Being recorded for you on fucking Christ, yet another Friday the fucking 13th. I swear to God, it's like the 800th <laughs> Friday the 13th that we've done a show over the last six years. Like every, I don't know, it's crazy. Crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth. Holding up the whiskey sign. That's a good idea, Ivor. It's a good idea, especially given the badass, fucking monstrous, fun-filled extravaganza of a show we have this week. A little bit of whiskey's a good idea. By the way, you're fired, Ivor. Ah, cheers, everybody. Mmm. Oh, that's good whiskey. That would, of course, make it for our sequel friends, the one followers of the one true time and date format. Uh, 2020. Oh, this is the yeah Friday the 13th of March 2020. So 2023. Uh, yeah, January, February. Well, yeah, 2020. 03, 13. 
1837 p.m. Pacific Coast time daylight savings time actually so it's not PST it's DST left coast coast of the most etc 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 we got a lot to hit you with so let's get straight to our top stories oh yeah bitches it begins first of all uh, again Friday the 13th what the fuck okay that's that's all I have to say about that also in a um you know uh I just need to get this out of the way um don't worry about me I am fine I'm old as dirt but I am not that old uh last uh weekend uh shortly after recording uh last week's episode I became symptomatic for COVID-19 the coronavirus um and I've not made a secret about it uh, but I have been uh, self-quarantining since then because there are no tests available and uh, I had I every symptom except for the fever which is interesting and I'm not entirely sure if my own uh, what do you call it my you know I, I never went to see a doctor because there was no fucking point because I'm not old enough for it to be threatening and didn't feel like a terrible illness but I am aware I was, you know, like, fuck so I haven't been able to see my mom and I'm starting to go fucking pretty stir crazy at this point. I also became a gun owner today and I hate guns Um, that did require me leaving my house but I, you know blah. Thursday was my big crash day in terms of my symptoms getting uh, uh, anywhere near where I was worried, uh, because it felt like my heart was, it, it felt like my heart was gonna explode, like basically. Like, but I could breathe relatively, f- relatively fine. Anyway, that morning I woke up, I could not sleep that night. I slept like maybe two hours total over the course of like seven hours trying to sleep. Uh, by noon that, afternoon when I woke up I could totally breathe again everything was fine that does not mean I'm not still shedding the virus I'm still I don't know I I know what an upper respiratory infection for me normally feels like I know what smoker's hack normally feels like I also know what the flu feels like and I know what a cold feels like. This was very different from any of those. I am now basically symptom free, but I still have I'm only barely halfway through my uh, self-imposed quarantine. I ha- did have to go to the gun store today because it's a gun store. Otherwise, I would have had them deliver it to me. Um, but I just wanted to mention that. So uh, just as a public service announcement let me, shut up Ivor I know it's not in the rundown, fuck you you never even fucking do the rundown, fuck up Ivor's giving me shit this is gonna be a great show and but I we should take a brief 30 seconds here were my symptoms um, unlike any other cough that I've ever had uh, when, first there was like, I, I became 
I'm generally a sweaty motherfucker. I'm not even kidding. I'm generally a sweaty motherfucker. Um, but I was particularly sweaty as I as I think back on it. I, I was particular particularly sweaty. Um, right before I started to have this weird it's like a cat cough like a very dry back of the throat no um, non-productive but also non-terrorizing cough which I just thought was my normal smoker's hack it was kind of indistinguishable at first that night when I vomited I it was very bad because uh, like all of a sudden I I, I I was sleeping and I I it was like aspirated almost aspirated vomit um I, and I was I, I did not know that I was sick that was very unusual and it was projectile vomit and it was pure liquid and it was not from being drunk and stoned um when I got back into my hammock I felt very I didn't feel um, like pervasive you know bone aches like you would get with a flu but I did feel something similar to that it was more generalized next morning I felt sick not like the way the flu hits you but like I I felt sick and that was when I started to have this really pervasive non-productive nowhere near as aggressive as the night before very dry little cat cough and on top of that the weirdest thing in the back of my throat it felt like um it felt like how to describe it it didn't feel like a sore throat and it didn't feel like um it felt like I had dry mouth in in my throat which is a you know blah anyway then uh I slept for basically two and a half days because then I knew I was ill and I felt very tired incredibly tired um and that went on basically through Thursday I once I once I Monday when I when I realized oh shit this might be fucking coronavirus I get a flu shot every year I almost never get the flu um and I I, I, I've dodged it this year so it would seem um but what I do get almost every year, but er- earlier in the winter than this, and it's been great weather out here in Las Vegas, I do get um, an upper respiratory infection from chain smoking uh, most years. Um, which is just, it's not a virus, it's just fucking upper respiratory infection from chain smoking in the cold. Generally, that's, you know, last three out of five years, I'd say, I, I've got... 
I've gotten one. Last year, it was bad enough that um, I had to go to the doctor. They just wrote me a prescription for antibiotics, sent me on my merry way. This, whatever I had or have, met none of these basic illness descriptions, which is why I'm taking the time, one, to tell you that, you know, I, you know, blah, what happened to me, but two, if you feel a little weird, stop and consider if maybe you have the coronavirus. Go um, to your, you know, your, I mean, the United States is utterly worthless in this regard, but go to your, um, you know, countries or whatever's uh, equivalent of the CDC. Look at the symptoms. It's generally dry cough, tiredness, a sense of fatigue, um, fever, generally accompanied by fever. And the thing is, if you have these symptoms, even if you don't get tested, even if you don't go see a doctor, please limit your contact with other human beings because if you're my age, it's not going to be a life-threatening thing for you, but if you you will be shedding the virus for up to two weeks, which means that, and it has high survivability. It's, it's basically uh, born from... Uh, it's it's basically uh, viral pneumonia is ultimately what it becomes, but it's it's all uh, the way it, it it's transmitted, uh, at least from what we understand, is via um, droplets uh, from your lungs. It's it's pulmonary edema, my, very mild, very very mild pulmonary, you know, upper respiratory blah. Unless you are older or have an underlying health risk, in which case, at around the time that I had my, you know, long morning of the, you know, whatever, if you're in a certain age bracket or have an underlying, you know, uh, you know, health problem, that's when it becomes incredibly aggressive and goes full blown hyper aggressive pneumonia and kills you. And I can now understand. I mean, like I didn't. I, and I got up when, that night, the the long night of the, and I took my temperature. I did not have a temperature, but my heart was fucking racing, like few times I've ever, I've I've ever experienced my heart racing that much. Anyway, so if you have any of these symptoms, you need to self-quarantine and, you know, see a doctor. Also, tell people that are in your, you know, personal bubble what's going on with you. And see, and if you're, if, if, if you're lucky enough to not be in America where this shit is about to hit the fucking fan, because we don't believe in science anymore, um, go see a doctor and get tested. And, uh, you know, get get treatment and uh, avoid older people in your personal bubble, especially. Like, I haven't seen my... I normally do TV with my mom every Monday. This Monday, I was like, Mom, I, I'm symptomatic. 
which is crazy because I live in Las Vegas and I go nowhere. Five days out of the week, I see six people tops. No, more like 12. But that's an actual hardcore number. So if I have it, then or have had it, then everyone here has it. It's 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 very aggressive in terms of infectivity, etc., etc., etc. We get through this together as a species. That's all I gotta say. Unfortunately, I wish that America were, were pulling its weight more. So, public service announcement and you know, full disclosure of my condition. Oh, and I became a gun owner today. Yeah. I hate firearms, but I became a gun owner today. Um, hopefully never to be used. Hopefully to survive only as the relic where I've placed it in my closet where it belongs uh, of a bygone barbaric era you know unused, pristine immaculate and a testament like a like a, a relic of the stone age of a darker time in our species history so now welcome to the best Linux games podcast the middle of the film no we have a fucking awesome show for you up next in our top stories all of the rest of this entire show is just basically fucking good news orgasms okay so if you're ready for good news orgasms as I feel like all of us are so desperate at least I, I've been all fucking weak this is the show for you welcome to the toy aisle item number one in our top stories of oh glorious toy toy aisle video game digital delightments one of my favorite games of all time came out uh, uh, over 10 years ago for uh, the Xbox 360. It was called Bulletstorm. And Bulletstorm was obviously the heartbreaking, uh, the, 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 the staggering work of heartbreaking genius. A labor of love A labor of love that produced a, a literal masterpiece, both technically, artistically, and uh, just it was it was it was a revelation from the same people who brought us similar revelations. Those wacky Croatian developers, that wily team who brought us Painkiller, the first game to feature. 30-story tall bosses um, in a first-person shooter and to also feature just endless amounts of fucking enemies uh, in full 3D. You know, a parallel to um, Serious Sam, which, blah, but anyway, the people who did Painkiller did another game called Bulletstorm. Now, I'm not going to enumerate the qualities of Bulletstorm for you here, but I will take a moment to say, in case you're 
you know, either new to like video games or whatever, new to blah. The the whole idea is that you make if you make a really really great video game, like a really great video game, and you put it on sale on the Steam store, you put it, you know, you know, make it available on the Steam store. There, there are certain games that no matter how old they are, will never go on sale. I mean, never go on sale. That's because the people who made it know that it will always be exactly worth that much fucking money. It'll take 20 years before they have any reason to put it on sale. Well, Bulletstorm has been on the Steam store for a long time now, couple of years I want to say and I got my license for it I, I want to say 18 months ago maybe 2 years ago something like that Masamenos. the game did not fucking run on Linux didn't run on Linux via Proton either oh yeah back to the old console days Bulletstorm is one of the only first person shooters I've ever played in fact I've never played a game that's anything like Bulletstorm and qualitatively in every aspect of Bulletstorm's design and execution it is head and shoulders above and also different it's in a class by itself is what I'm trying to say so don't be disappointed when you try to go buy Bulletstorm expecting like a steep discount for a game that's over 10 years old right now in your Steam store no it's never going on sale I mean seriously it will never go on sale because it is a masterwork. Well, guess what, kids? Earlier this week, due to my f- fucking self-imposed quarantine, I've had tons of time. And I'm going pretty stir-crazy. So anyway, I was like, oh, Bulletstorm, I wonder if Bulletstorm fucking runs. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. The puzzle pieces align in my head. MF install... Oh, and then we have Glorious Egg Roll 5, you know, uh, 5 2. Uh, hit Glorious Egg Roll's proton, Fork of Proton uh, 5 2 to try. And so I tried it, and guess what? It runs flawlessly. In fact, it runs absolutely flawlessly across the board. It is mag fucking nificent. What do you get inside of. Oh, by the way, the previous problems with Bulletstorm used to be, one, MF the the media foundation fucking problem, would make the cinema sequences not play and also there was a weird problem I don't understand the the actual technical uh, causes behind this symptom but uh, you would get the game to run if you could get it to run, and you could get it to run with the cutscenes, which are absolutely fundamental to this entire fucking game because the voice acting in this game and the sound in this game are just as important as the frame-bending, mind-blowing, unbelievable fucking environmental carnage, havoc, murder, mayhem, destruction, and just fucking mind-blowing chaos as it's unfolding, you know, uh, at 60 frames per second in front of your beady little COVID-19 flu-infused eyes. Um, the voice acting is fantastic. I'm not gonna tell you the story, but the thing is, this game, 
This game is much more than a first-person shooter. It's a style game. And it was a game that 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 pioneered many different techniques in terms especially in terms of shape masking for uh faces and stuff. This game looks amazingly good. When I say amazingly good, I don't even have to say amazingly good for being 10 years old. This game looks better than most games that came out last month. But beyond that, the style points. So it has this, it's a single player only first person shooter. Uh, but it's not really a shooter. It is a problem solving murder machine of ungodly proportions um yeah it's a good way of describing it with fantastic voice acting throughout even when you're not in a cutscene so one of the old pervasive problems for Bulletstorm so let's say you got to run this is like you know 18 months ago or whatever you're you're getting your to this is a spoiler alert one of the best turns of phrases in any video game that I've ever played Wow, Serrano's really got a murder boner going for you. Yeah, so you're stroking your massive murder boner because you haven't played this game in, you know, eight, ten years. And uh, you're watching the, the opening cinemas and then you're playing the opening sequences, which are very complicated and are super fun. And anyway. And then you're like actually playing the game and you die and you 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 load from the last checkpoint or whatever and bam no sound. All of that is gone with MF install. You know the Media Foundation fix if you want to do it yourself you can do it yourself or you can just use the MF install script and glorious egg rolls proton 52 this is fantastic. The game itself is, uh, I think, 40 bucks. It is worth every single fucking penny all day, every day. We'll do a full review of it in a couple of weeks when we, you know, when we hit the dead zone in the summer and stuff. But just know that Bulletstorm, cha-ching, check, finally fucking works, and it's magnificent. Our feature this week, which we'll get to in a minute, is the unbelievable sequel it's our first impressions of the unbelievable sequel to um, Ori and the Blind Forest Ori and the Will of the Wisps that's also known as Ori 2 O-R-I by the way many thanks and props go out by the way to uh, Bloody XTE and Nixeldev from the Discord and etc fans, friends of the show not fans of the show, friends of the show um, who got me into Ori to begin with so I could snap it up when it was on sale last month I never beat the first game but I am balls deep into the sequel and you'll hear all about it later on I told you it was going to be a fucking fire hydrant of orgasmic oh that sounds disgusting Sounds like a fire hydrant of jizz. But I told you it was going to be all good news after the coronavirus thing at the top. So, before we get to that, we have a combined segment. We're combining our new and noteworthy um, segment with our 
deal segment because they they're all matched together at once on this Friday the thirteenth. Ivor based him with the new and noteworthy. Fire damn you! I command it. <laughs> I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Okay, so yes, our new and noteworthy being folded together with our deals. So first off, in our new and noteworthy, other than Ori uh, and the Will of the Wisps, which came out this week, uh, I think on the... Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll get to that in our feature, but... Today, in terms of Steam debut, um, Borderlands 3. Borderlands is not my favorite franchise at all. Um, I like Borderlands 2 a little bit, but it had uh, structural problems in terms of its design and implementation in terms of multiplayer that really, really reduced um, my enjoyment of that game uh, overall, but anyway, it, it's indisputably one of the most popular uh, first-person shooters, uh, especially among, you know, uh, Steam gamers um, that's out there, and they they put on a good show, and it also pioneered uh, really, really the idea of well, it didn't pioneer, but it, it brought together and refined and then sublimated um, a lot of disparate elements into the unique combination that, you know, even for, you know, non-fans such as myself, I cannot argue against the fact that you know, there, there's not another game that uh, that I could think of in the last, you know, whatever at all, really, that brings together first-person legitimate cell-shaded shooter with not just role-playing game elements and in terms of persistent stats, upgradable stats, and abilities, etc. But the magic word is infinite modular guns, more or less. Um, and also the second game had a pretty good sense of humor I never beat the second game because anyway it's not my cup of tea to be honest but I did buy Borderlands 3 which came out on Steam uh, I think today but more importantly is 50% off now through March 20th um, at $29.99 I haven't had a chance to play it yet um, it's been a long fucking busy day but I will be actually I won't even be playing it tonight because I will be going back to Ori again for like hour six of the Ori Ori Orgy Glory Festival but not just in deference to you know uh the achievement of the franchise and stuff. I have no idea if this game is as good as 2 or better than 2. I imagine it's probably better. You know, duh. But more in deference to you need to know about this game and many people would be pissed at me if I omitted it from the show. And I will be playing it later on, hopefully this weekend. Um, 
I'll be giving it a spin. Theoretically, I think it is. I think it's a. I think it should run natively on Linux, uh, but I haven't checked. Uh, mm. But anyway, thirty bucks now through March twentieth, and that's fifty percent off. And yes, I know it's an older game, but this is its Steam release, so we can pretend that it's new, I guess. It gets very confusing. I was talking to a friend of the show, Jeff Jeffy Weiss, who, by the way, in re- in regards to, vis-a-vis Borderlands 3, when I messaged him this news earlier this morning, he said, eh, I'll wait for the inevitable fucking 98% Game of the Century edition that'll be out in like six months. Eh, but thanks for the, thanks for the heads up. Um, speaking of like the weird uh, second lives of games that have not been previously available on Steam but (laughs) somehow appear to have their first debut with a time date of like yesterday, you know, time stamp of a release date of yesterday stamped on their store page I was talking to Jeff W. Wise about how much we both love um, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain and uh, I was like, whatever happened to Kojima's, you know, latest game? Did that ever fucking come out? And as I texted him that, I looked it up on the Steam Store page, and it's like coming out in June. And he's like, oh yeah, that came out last year. I'm like, but wait, no, it says it hasn't. Like, no, 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 it came out on like every console and every platform other than Steam, like last year. And everyone says it's the greatest game ever made. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. Kojima redeemed himself with Metal Gear Solid, The Phantom Pain. Oh my god, that is a testament. I mean, that's a masterwork, right there. That is, I mean, the pièce de résistance. Talk about fucking converting even even the apostate, I mean, like, demonically anti, I I, I was an apostate. And uh, it's a, oh boy, I got religion after that game. I never thought I would forgive him for Snake Eater until that game. I, in fact, I never thought I would play another Metal Gear solid game again. And if I did, I knew for a fucking fact that I would never enjoy it. Oh my god. Hideo Kojima. Metal Gear Solid 5, Phantom Pain. Amazing. But Borderlands 3, now available on Steam. Uh, 50% off, $29.99 through March 20th. Also, for, as of uh, earlier this morning, so for the next 30-ish hours, an adventure game is on flash sale. This game came out in November of 2019. Uh, so just a couple of months ago. Uh, four months ago, something like that. Remember, yeah, like four four months ago. Uh, it's an adventure game I guess with action elements I bought this game today I have not played it it does require MF install for it to work and recent ProtonDB you have to like actually read the first couple of entries in the ProtonDB to, to see that other people who are not you know morons have gotten it to completely work it's called Black Sad and it is a uh, 
I think it's a point and clicker old school style adventure game, but they say like lots of people evidently play it with a controller. I, I haven't I haven't had a chance to boot it up yet myself, but it's evidently an incredible just a vi- when you see the when you see the the first screenshot of this game that you that you'll see on the store page, you'll understand. You're obviously a nineteen. 19- 50s Philip Marlowe, Raymond Chandler style detective, but you're a fucking cat. You're a giant anthropomorphic like feline. And everyone else, they're all cats. It's all cats and dogs. But it's all set in this period piece in a de- wrapped up in a detective film them off. Uh, you know, like I said, Raymond Chandler style thing, deep, evidently deep on narrative deep with choices matter, multiple endings uh, lots of ambiguity I picked it up because it looks fucking rad uh, Black Sad, that's your character's name, you're the detective obviously Black Sad um, all one word right now for like the next 30-ish hours is 40% off at $23.99 I told you there would be fucking a non-stop fire hose of goodness this week's episode. I mean, fuck. We got everything covered. We got Bulletstorm. We have Borderlands 3 if you love you know, that franchise or if you're just into graphic porn. You know, like if you just like, like cel-shaded graphics and as if you know, they are actual porn. Um, We got a fucking badass adventure game that has been incredible. That's Black Sad. Has been incredibly highly reviewed. And, of course, I save the best for last, my friends. Our feature this week. Ivor? Please do... Ivor... Oh, God. Ivor's manufacturing more COVID-19 over there. He's a zombie, so it doesn't affect him. That's how I got infected. You know, Ivor, you're one fucking son of a bitch. You're fired. Hit the brick, shipbird. Before you do that, baste him with it. Let's get to the feature. So, our feature this week, as threatened, the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. A game that, as I mentioned, I guess like five weeks ago or whatever, I mentioned it en passant, and I I never got enough, um, never found enough showtime to really talk about that game as much as I wanted to, because it is Ori in the Blind Forest is easily in the top three most beautiful side-scrolling platformers I've ever played in my entire fucking life easily in the top three, if not immediately the number one most beautiful side-scrolling platformer I have ever played. That distinction will require more forethought. That's not why we're here, though. I tried to get as much time in that game as I could because, friends of the show, uh, Nixledev and uh, Bloody XTE were like, oh, wow, okay, so you finally started playing it, you fuckwad, because I thought it was Okami, but I was I was wrong, 
And that game knocked my... Uh, Ori and the Blind Forest knocked my socks off. From now on, we'll just call it Ori 1. I mean, it, it, it knocked my socks off. I mean, it, like, I had... You know, I... I had to hire people just to keep picking my jaw up off the fucking floor because it was down there so often that I began to get repetitive stress injuries from my back. And I would never have fucking realized that I never that I had missed that game if it weren't for Nixle and uh, Bloody XTE. Many thanks. I tried to get as much time in it as possible because they also warned me that the sequel would be coming out March 11th which it did and I got it and I I didn't get to beat the first Ori game in fact I didn't even get to over I think 15% completion which I imagine is like maybe uh, an eighth of the way through the actual game who knows sometimes you know you have to beat it before you know how it scales. How achievements and completion actually relate to beating the game and understanding understanding the full breadth of the story the first time. That's okay. It doesn't matter. First Ori, jaw-dropping, jaw-dropping, un- I mean, literally, you'll wet your pants. Well, you won't literally wet your pants, but to say that it's enchanting is an understatement and to say that it's the amount of detail and just oh it's it's like a it's like an expressive poem it's like almost like a song but a visual song the way that that the first Ori game hit you just the environments alone all hand drawn no amount I mean like it, it had to have taken maybe a team of 20 fucking people, maybe six years to do that first game. And then there was a great silence until the sequel arrived this week. Sequel is called Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which always makes me think of Skylark, the the B section, the, the, uh, B section in Skylark. Faint as a will of the wisp. Crazy as a loon. So, I won't bother to try to explain or condense. And by the way, if you've not played the first Ori, don't bother. You can always go back and play that game later. I say that it's better to play the sequel first if you if you missed the original in this case the story is very contiguous with I guess there's some things that I you know that happened at the beginning in the the long introduction uh, cinema to Ori and the Will of the Wisps from now on called Ori we'll refer to it as Ori 2 that I didn't I had no idea like people who died in the first game evidently are back alive and I guess, spoiler alert this is just a blind guess, but spoiler alert, I think that maybe somewhere between the beginning of Ori 1 and the 
ending of that game, you completely save the day and are completely victorious and bring justice and prosperity back to the land, your friends, and restore your your own um, quiet sense of immortal spirit dignity. But, you know, who knows? Spoiler alert, though. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was all sarcasm. Anyway, the story does not matter, apart from the fact that in the immortal words of one of my great writing professors, and this is a maxim that you will hear in every writing fiction workshop, every creative writhing class that you ever take at the university or better level, and it's one that I hate, and I loathe it, but it's true. Great storytellers, they show, they don't tell. And Ori is like this magnificent, organic, breathing, giant, watercolor orgasm of an epic poem filled with just mythic imagery and symbolism it's like so Campbellian like you will never want to ever hear the word Joseph Goobards, Joseph Campbell in a sentence again it's so fucking archetypal Campbellian and archetypal it's fantastic um and he's better in my humble opinion I'm only you know this is not a review this is our first impressions it is better substantively in measurable ways, even though I didn't beat the first game, the sequel is better in ways that are are not just subjective. They're critically evaluable. First thing, in the first Ori, one of the problems that I had with it is that it was very, very difficult. Not only difficult, but it was also confusing because it's it was like pseudo, you know, I'm putting air quotes here, Metroidvania. I know we don't use that term on this show, but whatever. Pseudo Metroidvania. So jump jump boots and locked doors, but also also puzzles in places. And it was also repetitive and very difficult. And you spent a lot of time dying, but it was still great. I mean, I really love that game. And if, if I had another... Oh shit, I dropped my lighter. If I had another three weeks before the sequel came out, I probably would have ended up finding the time to buckle down and beat the first one. But it was frustrating. To the point where you became aware that you were being, you felt frustrated, which broke a lot of the magic, but that's also part of the idea of it being a a video game, and it and the original Ori came out a long time ago. It is not the most recent. Um, the original Ori came out. Thank you, Ivor, for not putting this in fucking show notes. It had its debut on Steam in 2016, but the original is from before that. So it took over five years to make a sequel, and trust me, every 
ounce of effort shows. So, the major improvements in Will of the Wisps, Ori 2, if it's possible, it is even more beautiful than the first one, but it's the exact same art style, exact same cinema, everything hand-drawn, it's a magnificent fucking op- it's like a temple to visual art in terms of this two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer and light sourcing with these amazing pseudo-rotoscopic backgrounds and god rays and all these different environments and all these fantastic enemies and you're this small little this small little um, fox-like spirit animal luminous in your blue with your big black eyes and giant floppy ears and you're cute, adorable fast and deadly so in this, here are the things that so far I'm five hours into Ori 2 here are the things that I noted I wrote down and that I think are improvements over the original formula first it is much less frustrating and much less ambiguous in terms of like where you need to go you will get stuck a lot less in Ori and the Will of the Wisps that's and stuck in two different two di- three different meaningful ways one you won't get stuck with puzzles that you can't solve um, I'm terrible at puzzles in general and super terrible at puzzle platformers I hate puzzles in any games it's just a fucking fact because I'm terrible at them so I am like I have like the intellect of maybe an 8 year old in terms of my ability to solve puzzles this might be to the detriment for some people who are coming to um, Will of the Wisps who like puzzle platformers Uh, they might find the game too easy and I suspect that because every time if I just spend like longer than 10 minutes on, on a puzzle I, I I become aware of the fact that I'm being taunted by the developers who made it and that takes me out of the game you know what I'm saying? It takes me out of blah this almost does not happen at all in Ori 2 the other type of getting stuck is where the geography where the map and the geography either becomes repetitious to the point where it the whole thing kind of becomes ambiguous or to where your actual destination isn't clear or the ways of reaching it are completely impossible and there does not seem to be any more map space that you can explore that was not that big of a problem in the first game but it was a bit of a problem in the first game that is almost entirely eliminated in Ori too. Not that everything in the game is a fetch quest that like is very linear and obvious, but you won't find yourself I did get stuck for about 30 minutes but we'll talk about why that was more enjoyable in the sequel in our in in our in in a, in a minute here. Anyway, it's it's just generally organic and fun to explore. Like, literally explore. In the same way that, like, Super Metroid, the first time you ever played it was just 
fun to explore. Um, and it's gorgeous. I mean, every second of this game is like, you know, it's screenshot porn. So, the other way of getting stuck or being frustrated is by having a boss enemy that you can't beat, or encountering an enemy or or a sequence um, of uh, skill-based stuff that is too difficult for you or whatever. Ori 2 completely, not completely, because like, you know, you want the game to push back. The game is very difficult. It, it's not as difficult as the first one, though. And it has a better uh, arc of difficulty. Like, the, the bell curve is not as steep in Ori 2. But best of all, you never feel overwhelmed by new techniques or stuff because the game forces you to use them organically. Each skill, each new element, each new gameplay element in terms of the play mechanics is introduced in an environment and in such a way that it's like seamless and organic to the actual play experience. So it's not a game that you feel like you have to sit and practice to master. The game basically just by trav- just by getting to where you're going or just by getting to a new area or just by doing anything, the game m- makes you capable of handling all of its challenges in an in a very organic way and this is something that's difficult to describe and is and that's one of the reasons why many critics and stuff don't ever talk about game design from this type of perspective um it's something that I I I tried to talk about in terms of Metro Exodus but this is totally different this is literally the desert teaching by testing but without you being aware of a test so it's one of those games where just by playing it and enjoying it even though it's challenging and even though you'll die a lot in some places and you'll have parts that you like more than others you will find you know an hour later that you've really mastered whatever the fuck used to you know like just by not by repetition or by rote or or even innate skill or whatever. The game is is perfectly dialed in, I think, almost in terms of difficulty. I haven't beaten it yet. But you, you, you will suddenly realize that you're doing shit that is so complicated and involves so many things that, that y- you thought were overwhelming or or would or would have thought were overwhelming or if you were watching someone play that sequence you'd be like oh my god how the fuck are you even doing that it it prepares you it makes it all seem effortless so the game just flows and it's it's challenging but it, at almost no point is it ever not absolutely maximum fun like you really can lose yourself in this game the other nice thing about the sequel about Ori 2 is that unlike in Ori 1 if you got lost and had to backtrack through like long portions of geography or even worse only fruit doing that back and forth fruitless uh, you know because you're stoned like I generally am when I'm playing you know glorious side scrolling platformers because they're like my favorite type of video games ever 
Um, if you have to backtrack through long, tedious sections of geography that are difficult to navigate or whatever, one or two dispenses with a lot of that, but it's still very much an open world. The, you won't realize this until, you know, you're about four or five hours into the game, but it is seriously a v- way more open world than you actually might even think at first blush. Um, but even better than that, even if you do get je- I haven't had to backtrack really in Ori 2, which is a real testament, because like, if you've played uh, other games um, from the Metroidvania quote-unquote, I know we don't use that word on the show, but whatever, fuck it, like Hollow Knight Hollow Knight, the only reason I didn't beat Hollow Knight, which I spent over 30 hours in, I think 12 of which were on my second game Hollow Knight got so confusing at a certain point, and I got so lost in that game at a certain point, and the game became so inscrutable in terms of like what, where to go next or what fucking technique I need or where to use that technique um, with like no hints and no, and I try, I even tried searching uh, online I can't remember where I got stuck by the way this is like over a year ago but if you played Hollow Knight, you might you, you, you'll have some understanding of what I'm talking about. That does not happen in Ori 2. It happened a couple of times in, for me in the first um, three or four hours of Ori 1. But even better than that, unlike in Ori 1, where if you do have to backtrack or whatever, it's basically totally pointless. In Ori 2, they've revamped the entire um, weapons and ability system, you can now buy using um, spirits that you get, spirit spirit points or whatever the fuck that you gather from defeated enemies, you use those as an actual currency to purchase and to also to upgrade um, abilities and uh other things what this means is you can get lost in the game now even if like you're way off track from like where you're supposed to be going quote unquote supposed to be going like to complete the next quest that you're tracking or whatever which are always almost always inscrutably different you know there are locations yeah of course it's in the top right yeah, you don't go up to the top right to get there. No, of course, you have to go down and then back up and then to the left and then farther to the left and then all the way up and then all the way to the right. You know, more or less. You you understand. You know what I'm talking about. Anyone who's played Super Metroid knows exactly what I mean. But even if you do get lost or even if you do find yourself replaying uh, difficult portions of geography in Ori there's now like a direct reward for every kill you get regardless of whether or not you die if you collect the spirit points they're like little orange orbs you get to keep them they've dispensed with the uh, soul gates save system from the first game which I was kind of disappointed to see that go in favor of a literal checkpoint based automatic save uh, coupled with um, 
Castlevania Symphony Symphony of the Night style uh, hard save points. Like, you know, like if you want to literally save the game before, you know, after you customize all your weapons and abilities and stuff and spend all your points or whatever, and you want to go to bed and you want to make sure that those changes persist without having to go to the next uh, piece of geography. And every time you re-enter a piece of geography, it saves all the time. You don't have to worry about losing your progress. Um, but there are hard save points. They're few and far between, but you don't really need them that much. They do give you restore all your health. Um, the combat in this game is infinitely superior, in my opinion, my uneducated opinion, to the first Ori game. At first, you'll think that the combat in this game is like kind of stupid. It's like it's like a it's like a more cartoony but definite fixed physics based version of Feist but on heavy amounts of speed with amazing enemies and a ton of blinding techniques but most of which are defensive or just um just let you get around faster, but all of which you will come to understand have a tactical place in your fighting enemies and navigating the uh, adversarial fiercely adversarial geography which is par for the course throughout the game becomes one and the same and, and it all becomes this real expression of fluid movement and fighting and strategy and tactics and puzzle solving that is just it's majestic and that combined with the visuals just will have blown me away really um, and it's a game that you know you really have to give some time to like I said I'm only five hours in and I can't wait to fuck I will beat this game probably this weekend I don't know if it's a 20 hour or 30 hour or 40 hour game but I will beat it and as soon as I beat it guess what I will probably start a new game um, but yeah, it makes you learn orga- learn orga- learn organically. So it feels like everything is always underneath your fingers. The other thing that's cool is it has one of the most elegant ability switching systems since the original Metal Gear Solid. That and the uh, the fact that you can customize the actual abilities that you have equipped, like your stat, your passive abilities. And oh, one last final thing. One last final thing. One of my favorite things about Ori and the Will of the Wisps is that the developers, it's like they actually play and really love side-scrolling platformers because they do in this game something that I've waited and, you know, silently begged in the back of my mind. Game developers of side-scrolling platformers specifically to do for over fucking, you know, 10 years, 15 years now. This is not a spoiler. It's just a stroke of genius. In Ori and the Will of the Wisps, guess what? Almost out of the box, with like almost no playtime, no areas explored, 
no massively frustrating sequences of jumps and you know teasing geography that you know only portends of treasures that you can't ever possibly reach until far later in the game when you have you know whatever ability you need to get there no at the begin almost at the very beginning of this game you get double jump also almost the very beginning of this game the game undoes one of its hallmarks from the first game which is wall jumping up a wall no almost immediately you gain the ability to make yourself sticky to walls any wall what that does is it opens up instead of like seeing only what is not possible it opens up the whole rest of the game there's like a timeline you know there's like a geographical and timeline progression hour by hour it opens up all the possibilities so you actually get to play with these things without being tormented by shit that you can't reach you know jump jump boots and locked doors now there are there's lots of stuff that you won't be able to reach until you have other abilities and you'll have to come back or whatever and you know completionists will find you know tons of I mean endless it's it's fucking psychotic the amount of collectibles the inventory page alone is like I want to say it's like 60 fucking items and those are just items and abilities and shit you know blah blah, blah. but there's also a, uh, uh, they're ca- I think they're called soul shards those are passive abilities you start off with three slots you have to er- you have to find big steal or borrow um, each of each spirit shard, each one of them being a separate ability, like the ability to stick to walls, and then you have to load that in to one of the empty slots. And so, ultimately, what this means is later on, when you have, you can eventually buy and or find um, the ability to have more than the original three slots. But you will e- eventually have many more different passive abilities than you have slots for, and you could change them at any time. This adds such a great fucking element of, like, it just makes the game so much better. That, combined with you, the fact that you have three buttons that are your, like, action buttons, and you can remap them to any active ability that you want, like this can be healing it can be your primary attack, it can be a massive secondary attack that actually uses those orange orbs or whatever you can literally by holding down the L trigger and then pressing you know, and using the the the, um, the analog stick to select what thing you want, and then you just press the button that you want to be mapped to you can remap everything, so you between that and the ability to remap um and not remap but uh reconfigure for individual scenarios such as boss encounters or uh areas of geography that are particularly troubling in one way or another um by being able to reconfigure your passive abilities on the fly it makes the game just sing and that's, I mean, that's that that's true. That's that's you know, it's not a review, but fuck, so far it is absolute. It's I had a religious experience in Ori. I'm going to use that screenshot 
as the uh, as as this week's episode's episode art. But until you see it live, until you've seen it live and experienced it live, you know, it's the game is a song. I told you, nothing but good stuff. Oh, and also, we are done with this week's episode. I Cheers, stay healthy, safe, sane, be aware that uh, coronavirus, even if you're outside of the um, the age range that makes it a high lethality that you can be contagious whether you're symptomatic or not and shed the virus to others who will then eventually infect people close to them uh, who are or may be in that you know lethal range all one or all none we get through this together just as always cheers thanks for listening uh I will catch you next week. Hopefully. Cool heads. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna cry four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.